Welcome to episode 709 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 709 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Pretty good. Pretty dreary old day out there. Couldn't bike up today. Why not? Pretty, well, it's raining. It's not raining, it's is so it? It's so raining. Drizzly. It's cr- rubbish out there. It's not, would you call that rain? I'd call that drizzle. Yeah, there I, you go. Yeah. There you go. Poor you. Here's you. That's your weather port for Christchurch today. Beautiful day yesterday. Crappy day today. It was a beautiful day yesterday and a crappy day today. There you go. Okay, John, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Generation You Can. Sports nutrition that gives you long-lasting energy without the spike and crash of sugar. Love a bit of Generation You Can. Had it like Friday night before my race for some of the new bars. Who, who you took it out, John? I did take it out. Yeah. Performed pretty well. I was pretty happy. There you go. Uh, also our patrons, John. Uh, Daniel, Great Expectations Dickinson. We've got Paul Madman Mitchell. And Neil the Ninja Stafford. In this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got age group of the week. We've also got an interview. We're talking Lucy Gossage about retirement and a bit of sports psychology. Uh, we've also got a bit of, maybe a bit of two minute, two minute research. Yep. See if we've got time. Okay. Uh, winger of the week, questions and answers. And big week of the week, of big news of the week, I should say, is that Legends of Triathlon is back after what, a two year hiatus? It's, it's been a while. And hopefully, we can make this uh, not just break. The, the hiatus but uh, also have some continuity it is still be pretty random I'm basically just going to keep trying to get people on and it might they might be a one month gap it might be a two week gap we'll just randomly bring them out but uh, we've got Greg Bennett on uh, fantastic uh, nice long interview could have gone on for bloody hours with Greg um, but we had to wrap it up at some stage uh, but yeah really insightful well, stuff just one like listen to it it's great it's great he's, he's a great speaker so he, he's pretty easy to interview um, fascinating stories but there's one story in particular we talked about Brett Sutton breaking him, and he did this. What was this? What were the sets? Uh, he was basically it was something like thirty seconds on, thirty seconds off, or something, like, something that. like that, or one minute on, one minute off on a treadmill. We did the interview last running, week. running at two fifty k pace, and he did that for thirty six k's, mm. and he said it, it ruined his Olympics. It basically broke him. Mm. But whoa, yeah, he kept cranking. Yeah, he just said, yeah, so it's a great interview. So go to Legends of Triathlon. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, it is in all your podcatchers, so just go check out all your podcatchers, Legends of Triathlon. We'll be releasing that either today or tomorrow, so it'll be out pretty soon. Uh, John, also, today's big news is we're having the I Am Talk Kona Patrons draw today. We were going to do it last week, I thought, but you, you vetoed it. We're doing it today. It's all good. Got more time. Somebody's going to win. Yep. So there you go. So one of our patrons is going to win the trip to Kona. We're going to draw it out throughout the show. So have you actually drawn it already? I have not. Oh, okay. There you so go. the way that I do it, I have random.org. So I've got everybody's a patron listed in there. Uh, and then if you're just a $5 a month, um, you get one ticket. If you're 10, you get two. Three, you get uh, $20, you get th- three slots. And $50, you get five slots. Everybody's in a spreadsheet. I just put a number out of random.org and whoever that person is winging their way to Kona winging their way to Kona to hang up the boys and watch the amazing race John big race week is this weekend Ironman New Zealand took um, came along did you watch much of it? I did watch a reasonable amount of it um, I did see you were on Facebook when I was watching it I even put a comment on there because the commentators weren't quite 
calling it as I as I could see it. So oh, I'm what, 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 it's very difficult in the swim, and they're at a massive disadvantage because I know the three guys that were in leading the swim. You had Dylan McNeese, Mike Phillips, and Braden Curry, and I I know Dylan's stroke and I know Mike's stroke, and so I said no. Yeah, that's, stroke that's, that's those three. There. John Newsom knows how Dylan and things stroke. Exactly. So I watched a bit of the swim, watched a bit of a bit of everything really. Um, it was in and out. I was at, I was actually in the adventure parks. So we've got a, a mountain biking park in Christchurch and. Uh, was along there with Felicity and Thomas and the Philinator and his couple of his kids and the, the chairlift was breaking down oh, so no. I was trying to get some reception I was just sort of watching it on the way up on the chairlift also got a vested interest you know quite a few age groupers locals racing so uh, I thought they did a really good job covering it my, my oh. wife commented that you know she goes well we've got American commentators on a New Zealand race I'm like well it's kind of global coverage it's not really yeah. and I'm just amazed we're actually going to have Dee Dee Griesbauer on the show next week and they can talk for Nine hours, unbelievable, un- insane. Because it was, I think Laura said I'll come in for a while, mm. but you know, basically it was just those two. I watched, I didn't get to watch that watching, and I was kind of loosely keeping an eye on it just because I was busy with other stuff through, through the morning. I jumped on with about twenty k on the bike, and I watched through to um, Joe one, and I watched a little bit after that, and then mm. I had to go. Um, they were impressive, mate. Yeah, because you know they just keep going. Yeah, you know there were never real dead points. If you watch the whole thing, I'm sure you'd be getting annoyed by perhaps potentially repeating sort of stuff. No, but they've, they've got a waffle. Oh man, it'd be so so hard. Even I could struggle for talk for ten hours. Oh, yeah, you know. So they no, they do a great job, especially in the conditions that they have to do it in. Mm. So let's talk about the race, John. Yeah, no, and so I was excited, more excited about the females' race than the males going in. I mean, I was still really keen to see what happened, but I thought it was going to be a really interesting battle in the women's race because you had the surprise package of Radka Carterfelt which eventuated to nothing I believe she was a bit sick um, then you had Jocelyn McCauley who's had some amazing races there I believe she was also sick and then you had Meredith Kessler who sort of starting to fade a little bit but still a good strong athlete and then Teresa Adam who's had some amazing performances and it turned out to be a bit of a, a nearly a dojo domination I know so Teresa Adams what a performance sensational on the swim she looked fantastic swam 50-25 then rode 4-36 she said she went through halfway I think in in 2-15 and maybe that was not quite halfway but went through the first lap in 2-15 wait did she she have a toilet stop was that on the bike no I'll I'll come to that as well so 4-36 Mountain Snail popped us an email John Hancock sort of saying you know this is what the guys used to ride. You know, yeah. around about that 4.30 mark used to be, that was an awesome, awesome ride. Uh, now, we, with both the performances, all the performances in here, they do have a small asterisk next to them because they have changed the bike course and they have made it uh, so it is a bit quicker. Um, but it is accurate. It's accurate. Uh, I looked at a couple of guys that I had racing and it was 180 k. so I'm not, take, I'm not taking anything away, yeah. but I'm just saying that it probably looks to me like it was several minutes, maybe up to five minutes quicker, but it's still 180k, so I'm not taking anything away from that. And you can, so if we, we can say there's an asterisk in comparison to old records, but still. You, it's still not fast riding. Yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, New Zealand, yeah, you know, so 436. Insane. Insane to the membrane. And then ran a 305. She didn't look like she was running particularly quick, Teresa Adam, but she just shuffles along and that's a good solid run when you're not, not under any pressure. When she's, what's her best run? Um, she's always, I think she's always been around about that three hour mark. Okay. Um, but I, I definitely think there'd be potential to go uh, a bit quicker. 8.40, 30, 29 is oh. incredible on that course. Absolutely obliterating the course record, beating the bike course record by 15 minutes. So when I say, 
yeah, it's a, it, maybe it was five minutes quicker. You've still gone yeah. 10 minutes quicker than anybody's ever been before. Um, so just next level racing, which was awesome to see. Meredith Kessler had a fantastic race as well. Um, uh, going it's just solid performance, wasn't it? And she looks, uh, again, this is where you can get lulled into people, the way they look they're running, as opposed to actually how fast they're running. Yep. Whenever I saw the camera on her, she looked like she was smoking it compared to Teresa Adam and they ended up run, only running you know 25-30 seconds difference um, between the two of them Yeah. so good performance by Meredith Kessler and then third place with Judith, Judith Cochran Vaccario from Spain in a 9.03 fourth Rachel McBride and a very good fifth place for Julia yeah. Grant who uh, was going to be her retirement race so she did uh, very well as well but yeah just a shame to see Radka Carterfelt um, not performing and Jocelyn McCauley also not performing so a bit of a shame because it could have been a very very interesting race and then the men's race was a bit of a one horse race really wasn't it well, so Joe caught up in the bike and then him and Philip Cody Courtney sorry um, they kind of took away on the bike well, and this is the problem when we only look at results and you only saw the first, yeah. the second half of the race because I probably saw more of the first half of the race okay. and didn't see the second half. And in the first half, you had a, a group riding away, you know, um, with Mike Phillips, Braden Curry, um, Mark Bosted, and Ben Phillips. And the gap was not coming down at all in the first oh, lap. Okay. And so I went away for a big chunk of the middle of the bike ride. And, and I think through halfway, the gap was pretty similar to what it was out of the swim um, in terms of, you know, um, Joe Skipper making up ground and what have you, chipping away at it, but not really. And then I come back and like Joe Skipper's in the lead and he's got a minute and then it blows out to multiple minutes off the bike. And I was like, how did that happen? Yeah. So really uh, a game of two halves on the bike um, and Joe Skipper came through and again, 4.13, it was not far off Andrew Starkwitz's course record there. Uh, so you're kind of thinking, Joe's a good runner, but he does sometimes does blow up, so it's not all over. But he ran, but he ran, ran well, really well. Two forty three and uh, convincing seven minute victory. So swam fifty one fifty eight, rode four thirteen, ran two forty three for seven fifty four, beating the course record by, I think it was about four or five minutes. I never thought we were ever going to see a sub eight in Taupo, and now we've had had it happen twice. But uh, it was pretty impressive. Mike Phillips still had a great race in second, running a two forty five when he's done bugger all running for an eight oh one, beating out Braden Curry, um, who was a bit disappointed with his performance, but still. Did you see the interview of Braden? Yeah. What did yeah. he say? Uh, he just said he just wasn't on for the day. I mean, he did. You know, he rode four twenty seven, yeah, um, which is a bit slow. which is a bit slow compared to say Joe Skipper, uh, and ran two forty four. So steadied out of the office, got the job done in terms of getting a Kona slot. What was interesting with this race is you had uh, four Kona slots, so one to the first male, one to the first female, and then two unallocated. Um, and because there was 17 males and 13 females starting, it meant that the slots were evenly distributed. So Joe Skipper already had a slot, so it went to Mike Phillips and Braden Curry. And then on the girls' side, um, Teresa Adam and Meredith Kessler both had slots, so it rolled down to third and fourth. So not that common that it happens where you do get those unassigned slots being split evenly but John, in this case it did here's a question oh it might be the answer might even be up here no just Dawson you need to do a bit of work um when was the last time you, a, a non-New Zealander won Ironman New Zealand um we've had I mean we've in had, the men's race we've had guys that have won the 70.3s yeah the 70.3s it's been a while but isn't it yeah, it has, because you've had uh, Mike Phillips winning it, you've Terenzo, had Braden Curry, Terenzo, Bevan. Cameron Brown, Bevan Doherty. So let's just uh, 
Give me two seconds there, Bevan. Well, so then um, it was quite beautiful as well. So when Joe came across the finish line, he was very emotional. He'd lost one of his grandparents this week, I think it was, or last week. Yeah, uh, while he was in New Zealand. Yeah, and they had a haka. And uh, you could see it was one of those races where emotion took you to another place because you see as he came across the finish line, he was he broke down really. And it was, it was mm. quite a beautiful moment really. And they had the haka. And so it was quite, it was quite, it was quite interesting to watch really because I don't haka and you could see he was just bowling. And... Uh, yeah. I don't know if I agreed with what they did. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm bit, I, was a bit, I was a bit with that with the haka. So a haka is a, is a real challenge. If, if you've seen the All Blacks doing a haka before when they're playing rugby, it's a real challenge. When you've just finished an Ironman, and Joe was emotional, which didn't which compounded yeah. the, the, the situation, man, I'd just, I just, you just want to fall over and die, yeah. but you've got to kind of respect it. And so I thought that was a bit of, it was a bit, oh, bit of you, tough. Actually, it just felt, uh, you know what, maybe if he wasn't emotional, mm. but but I, I, it might have been a bit better. If it had been a half Ironman, I'd say, you're probably okay, you're not quite as devastated, but a full... Maybe the haka stays for the ceremony, Yeah, when you do the awards or something yeah. like that, but um, I get why they do it, because they want to show our culture off, and it's great, um, but it was just quite beautiful, because it was obviously a pretty tough week for him, and to have, that was, a, that was you know, for him, swim's always going to be a bit slower, but that's a complete performance for him, isn't it? It is, and I would say... His swims, I had a swim with Joe last week on Tuesday or something like that. Maybe it yeah. was the week before. And there's quite a bit of room for improvement in this swim. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of if he can get, get it sorted. But, uh, but, but like as a coach, are there obvious things for him to get sorted? Technical stuff that's Pretty relatively basic. easy okay. to get sorted. So if he can chop a few minutes off that swim, um, then he's going to be with others in a, in a better position. Well, he's, 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 he's up the swim bike, isn't he? Oh, it's sorry, bike, run. run bike. It's yeah. astounding. So, Bevan, it was a very good comment that you made uh, with regards to when was the last time a non-New Zealander yeah. won the race. Since 2005, when it's been a full-distance race, the only person that has, uh, outside of a Kiwi that's won it, is Marco Albert. He won it in oh, 2014 in 8-17-33. And it's almost the opposite on the female side. So we haven't had a Kiwi win it since 2011 Which with uh, Sam, Sam Warriner. Since then, it's been the Meredith Kessler show. I forgot Sam show. Warriner won it. Yeah. When did Gina win it last then? She won it in 2009. She only won it once, unless she won it before 2005, which I doubt. No, it was all uh, Joe then, Prior to that, it? it was all Joe Lawns. So, yeah. And then and then on the flip side, um, yeah. Then we had Theresa Adam taking it for the Kiwis as well. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. So really, really good racing. And maybe, and obviously we're a bit biased because it's a Kiwi race and we've got a bit more of a vested interest, but it was, um, it was bloody good stuff. And I would say, you asked about Theresa Adam, <laughs> toilet stop. Yeah, so I watched the live coverage when she came off the bike and there was two funny incidents. First, at the bike handoff. Yeah, bike, I know, she's taking the computer <laughs> off. <laughs> she's trying to stop her computer. She was worried she hadn't stopped it. And the bike person, uh, the, 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 the person who was going to load her bike, was sort of walking away with the bike and she's sort of leaning over it, trying to turn the bike <laughs> computer off which was pretty entertaining and then I saw that she ran straight to the toilet after that I'm not sure if she did number ones or number twos but she wasn't in there for too long uh, <laughs> and the only other thing I'd say about the run in terms of the, the files that I've seen uh, it's 41.8 Ks in terms of the run splits it's a little uh, bit short however I'm going to give them a break there because the T1 at Ironman New Zealand is like five to ten minutes long. Age groupers, maybe anywhere between six to eight minutes. Pros, yeah. might, I'm not, they might be down to five minutes. But in terms of total distance you're covered, doing at least 400, aren't you? You're getting your money back there. Yeah. Okay, other news we have um, Chris Dow's doping violation. So what's happening here, John? This is a... This is a I shouldn't be laughing. It's a bit of a, uh, an interesting one. So we've had somebody, an age grouper, Chris Dells, has been uh, 
accepted a 14, well doesn't accept a given, a 14 month sanction for anti-doping violations. He's an age grouper, he won the Texas 70.3 age group 35 to 39 and then went on to win his category in Kona uh, and he was also the quickest so age, age, group, age group overall. And he went 844. Oh, the interesting cheat. thing was he didn't get busted for a drugs test as in you know pee in the bottle or, or a blood sample or anything like that. He got busted via social media because what do you mean? because he um, posted something after Ironman Texas or was it before, prior to Ironman Texas he received two IV uh, drips um, when the absence of a TUE, so a therapeutic use exemption, and that's not allowed, and he posted them on social media, somebody else pulled him up on it. So what is he, post-race to use them? No, pre-race, and so he claimed that it was um, for uh, a sickness, so fair enough, but you can't do it. So he's been busted and banned. So how do you feel about that one? Um, Is there much of an advantage to having IU before a a drip before a race? Well, what was he having? Uh, Yeah, there is. Is Whether it? it's a, an, a, enough to be the difference between winning and not winning, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I haven't really looked at the science of that, but I just think it's, I think it's kind of good that you've got these other means that you don't. It doesn't always have to come down what to like fall, an actual sample because I think this could could potentially happen further down the track, and it has happened before as well. So um, yeah, don't go. You've just got to be careful. A, what you post. B, what you do because. Uh, yeah, you cannot have IV drips pre-race unless you have a therapeutic use exemption. That's a real bugger for him too, is it? You know, like in some ways, you know, okay, foolish, made a mistake. But if he's the fastest guy. He, he's pro athlete, isn't he? You know, he's got potential. That really cuts his career back a little bit. Well, if he was 20 to 25, you'd say yes, but he's 35 to 39, so probably not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, but legitimate thought. I do feel a little bit sorry for him in this situation, but I, I get it as well. So because he's not, yeah, trying to cheat. No, he's, and just he's having a. He's probably being naive. He's probably just thinking, I'm having a supplement uh, to get myself right for the race. Um, yeah. Big discussion that's happening in all sport right now is what's happening with the coronavirus and how is that affecting sport. And we are starting to see a few races starting to be cancelled in our world. So especially in Asia, Challenge Taiwan, Powerman Malaysia, uh, a couple that have disappeared this year at least. Uh, what's happening to ITU around this? Who knows? So the Abu Dhabi round has been cancelled. Races, More races seem to be getting postponed. And I think um, I'd say it's almost a given probably that Yokohama is a key selection race for a lot of the athletes. When's that? I'm pretty sure it's in May, uh, and you, you kind of think that's probably not going to happen. So, in terms of Olympic selections, and this is with all sports, we're seeing it on the news in New Zealand every night. Um, events getting cancelled. A, the Olympics going to go ahead. Who knows? We can't speculate too much on that. But just in terms of the selections and stuff, is going to be really interesting because so many sports have designated uh, races, saying you finish in the top two there, you're in sweet, and those events may not be happening. So uh, it might come down to a lot more selector discretion, and then you're opening up lots of cans of worms, as you'll hear with uh, with Greg Bennett later on, um, when you're just selecting people from. It's just a really fascinating moment, isn't it? You know, in so many aspects of our lives, this thing which. It's just, we don't really know how bad it's going to be. Hmm. We don't know when it's going to end. And so there's just so much uncertainty. Yeah. So, like, imagine if Kona doesn't happen. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and at this moment, if Kona was happening this week, there's a chance it couldn't happen. True, potentially, yep. So coming up, there's nothing. That's my, I always have a coming up section in the show notes, and I've got nothing in there. And so next race on the sort of calendar will be Ironman South Africa. Who do you reckon it hurts the most if, if the Olympics and... Kona don't happen this year 
well, Japan, because they've spent oh, no, yeah, billions I mean, athlete, of dollars. Who, who, who do you, like a Gomez? It, it doesn't hurt his career that much. No, He's already I don't made think it. so. Uh, life will go on. I'd say, um, yeah, probably someone like a Vincent Louis and a Katie Zaveras who are both the sort of number one seeds and they're at their, their peak of their career, Mario Moller as well. So those guys that are in their sort of late 20s, maybe early 30s. Yeah, um, where this is their best chance. Best chance. They, they might have another chance, but they're at their prime now. Other guys that are coming through, you know, examples like Hayden Wilde, a Kiwi fella, be really disappointing, but they'll get another crack. But for yeah, those guys that are at the, the peak and... and uh, what about, what about Kona wise? Who would be the who? who, who? Uh, Kona's every year, so yes, yeah, that's think, true. I don't think it'll be too big an impact. Although they'll probably Yarn's last chance. Who knows? Probably you'd think. Yeah, he's definitely. Uh, you know, like last year was the perfect race. Hmm. Uh, well, I'm fascinated to see how it goes this year. But um, I do still have an ITU update though for you this oh, week. Oh yeah, give it to me. Some, some random news. So we had the New Zealand Athletics Track and Field. Did you watch it? I did not. No, uh, held over the weekend. <laughs> It was windy as crap all weekend. I did a race on Friday night, and it was pretty. Uh, a few moments there, I was going a bit sideways on the old bike. Um, but we had the five k champs on. I think it was on Friday night when I was racing as well, and it was very windy. And where they have the track is a newly developed area. It would have been pretty exposed. And yeah, it's renowned as being really windy, even yeah. on like a, a puff of, of wind. And uh, Hayden Wild took out the New Zealand. 5k champs yeah. the time wasn't very quick um, but he had run 13.45 a couple of weeks before yeah but those track races aren't, sometimes they aren't quick are they yeah, tactical, tactical yeah but when he's going 13.45 a couple of weeks earlier so I guess so legit. how does that put you in comparison to other ITU guys well I, I looked last night I think it's, it equates to about a 28 and a half 10k yeah um, which is pretty good it's not quite Alex Yee standard but it's not far off yep uh, is he a better swimmer than Alex Yee Pretty similarish. Okay. So, but he's, so, so this guy's legit. He's legit. So we're excited in New Zealand about yeah. what he come can on, do. Hayden, be wild. Um, and then we also had a, an ITU Hayden race. born to be born to be wild. Yeah, there we go. I'm sure he's never heard that before. Uh, we had a duathlon over in Europe, the European Duathlon Championships, which Alistair Brownlee decided to go and do because they didn't have the the Abu Dhabi round. It was over a sprint distance, and he only got fourth place, uh, 52-21. When I say only got fourth, he was three seconds off third, and uh, the guy that did win, Benjamin uh, uh from France. He is the current world champion, so it's not like he got beaten by mugs, but still, he got beaten by Tyler Misselchuk, um, who is, he's been performing really well on the ITU circuit. So, Alistair Brownlee, getting back, but certainly not the dominator. Wait, so how far, what's the distance in this? I'm um, pretty sure it's 5k, I'm not sure how far they biked, they biked for 31 minutes, and the, the second run was only 7 minutes long, so... What, 2k? Yeah. Well, they ran 5K. And it must be shorter than 5K. They ran 13.30. True. It yeah. must be like 4, 4 something, 2. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that was Alistair Brownlee back in the game. That's your ITU update for this week. Oh, here we go. Alistair is back in the game. Okay, John, we're doing the draw. Okay. Are we, doing, are we, are we, going, to do, are we going to do the whole thing now? Well, I'm going to draw the person, then I'm going to tease it out a little okay, bit. Okay, tease so it out, John. Bevan. They say that's the best way to get excitement happening is to tease it out. Okay. Okay, okay, hold on. Um, Bevan, you tell us about what you've been up to lately. Just enjoying the drizzle, enjoying not the rain. the drizzle? Not the drizzle. Okay. Here we go. Hold Here we on. go. He's pulling up a number. He's gone to random.org. We keep, we're very official, team. We don't cheat this. Yeah, this is... Yep, this is pretty... How many people... Oh, no, no. no. Hold on, no. righty I've got okay, a number. Here we go. Here he's got a number. I've got a number. The number it's, is... This, now I've got to not give it away. Give me the number case. first. Number is 77. First year we did it, I think we even gave people their numbers before we did the draw. Yes. So the number is 77. And you're going to do what? First letter of the name? 
Yeah, no, I'll do. Um, so the, the person has, in terms of a vowel, the person has an E in their name somewhere. And, and if both names or just... I'm just going somewhere in your name. So if you don't have an E anywhere... You're screwed. Yeah. You're out. Yeah. So... You and I would both be in the, still in the drawer. Yes, because my last, my last name is an E. Yes. I'll be thinking, I've got this. So first, so, so, okay. you, so you've got okay. an E in your name somewhere. So that's what you're hearing from our team. <laughs> the excitement is amazing. <laughs> Hot topic of the week. Uh, what do you want from a coach? And basically what we're looking for here is, what do you want from a coach? And when does a coach let you down? And I think you also had something about when they're racing the same race as well. Yeah, that was from, from last week. The person had sent, me, uh, sent us through an email sort of saying, is it... How do you feel about your coach potentially not being in touch too much pre-race and especially if they're racing and they might even be in your age group? So I kind of spun it around a little bit. Uh, so this week's discussion, what do you want out of a coach and what has a coach done in the past that has let you down? Brent Chan from uh, good old Canada said, periodization. this is my biggest concern, especially with coaches that have squads. How do I know that my plan is specific to my strengths and weaknesses and not just the same plan being given to everyone doing the same goal race? It is tricky if you're in a group environment yeah. and you've got people building up for different events what I tend to do is I sort of have often have two two sessions or you just modify the intensity yeah. but I think with that you've got to kind of balance it up going might not be perfect for me what I'm doing here but I can hit the objectives that maybe I couldn't normally hit by myself exactly you yeah. get the benefit of being with a with a with a group so as long as it's kind of partly periodized I think you're probably going to get more out now, of if you're a using group. a coach as who's writing your programs you you work with them around that, wouldn't you? Mm. Yeah. Okay, um, we've got Patrick Walkington. He's got communication is key and has to be frequent between coach and athlete. Athlete, As a previous coach, a previously coach athlete, and now coach communication is key. And I'm learning so much about how to coach and how not to coach from the three coaches I've had, pulling only the best bits from all of them. Uh, Jess Shelgren, I want passion for the sport and its athletes no matter their ability, encouragement and reality, patience and flexibility, knowledge and experience and the ability to stay current with new research and technologies. I'm lucky I have all of that in my current coach. I have had silence at a critical point in my build up which was devastating and cost me a good race most likely. I think that the silence side of things, a few people have brought that up, two way -way street. In terms of if, if coach, maybe you're feeling like it's race week and my coach hasn't been emailing me every day. Um, I think it's a bit of a two-way street yeah. when, when you're in terms of communication. Uh, Rich Bruce has got screwing with my Ironman run. I'm a <laughs> solid swimmer and runner, but biking is for sure my strongest, not my strongest. I had a coach to improve this, and about two months before my Ironman, I was concerned that I was only running 10K on my long run. So coach said, don't worry, I don't want you to injure yourself from running. Four weeks before the race, same story. I raised my concern, and the coach said, it's fine, three months, three months to go. Short story is my slowest marathon time, and the first time I ever walked a part of my Ironman marathon. Coach binned... <laughs> Back to my spreadsheets. Wayne uh, Walker, want, work around my family life and work schedule. Yeah, totally. that, that is important. I'm going to go Michael Kennedy. I believe as an athlete and as a coach, communication goes both ways. It's important to be clear about what we need as an athlete and from an athlete. This conversation is ongoing. Last one I do will be Faye Stillwell. While you're being coached for pleasure or a goal, there are many hours of time away from the client. The coach is writing diets, plans, etc. for the special client. Yes, it costs money, but it's his or her living. living. Everyone needs to be, everyone needs to pay just the client. Sorry, lost track of that one. Yeah, that's right. Mark Funky Brooks has got, 
I stopped having an online phone coach when they were consistently asking what we should do in the sessions. I realized I was paying money for something I was mostly doing myself. There we go. Um, yeah, so I can't comment too much on this because I'm, I'm the coach. But oh, I don't know no, you can comment. The main, main thing is I think, you know, you know, in terms of the communication side of things, you, you know, you want to have the expectations set uh, in terms of knowing what you're actually going to get and that sometimes that just comes down to what you're able to, to pay. So being realistic with your expectations around the I also think it's really, really, the coach needs to be really realistic around how the relationship is going to work. Hmm. So... Um, here's what you're going to get mm. you know I will do this I will do this I'll be available then real boundaries around that stuff as well mm. um, especially if it's someone who's coaching a lot of people because if you're managing 20 to 30 people a week it's quite a lot of work mm. and you know they, you want to give your undivided attention to each person at certain times but you also need to put boundaries around that and I just think it's often like, I, like one thing like when I do my I do more kind of the life coaching stuff but with that stuff, I let my clients know, like, for example, I don't do emails on Friday. Mm. I only check my emails once a day. I'll respond to you within 24 hours, but you always get a response. So I, I set a real clean boundaries around mm. how, my, how my relationship's going to work with you. And, my, and the fascinating thing is my clients love it. Mm. And they often learn from that because they learn that they don't have any boundaries in their own life. Mm. And I just think that as a coach, that, that, that you need to set up those real clear boundaries around how this relationship is going to work. Now, when they've got my attention, they've got my undivided attention, but it is a really important part of it. So it's definitely an important thing. Yeah, so that's about when, all. has a coach let you down? Um, when has a coach let me down? I think probably it's a communication thing, but that's... I can't, now that I look back on it, it's a two-way street. So if you're sitting there waiting for that communication, I should have got on the front foot and actually got in touch rather than just sitting back and going should be able to tell what's going on here so mm. I think that's a lot of the time people just sit back going you should be you should be contacting me you should be contacting me it's like well if you've got something you need to ask ask it as long as it's within the parameters as Bevan said yeah. um, and then you should expect a, a response but as Bevan said you know there's a lot of coaches will have different levels you know you might have your bronze silver yeah. gold level and so you've just got to know that if you're a bronze level athlete it's yes, not the coach, that's what you're paying for yeah. uh, and the coaches have to try to make a living and it's um yeah it's also let's be honest different clients have different needs mm. and all anyone who does service industry knows that you're going to get that real needy person um mm. and when you do service industry <clears throat> the needy person takes up way much more time than the non-needy person um and it tends to get balanced out, but you do have to be a bit careful with the needy person. Mm. Um, and I think one thing for the athlete is to also understand what's fair, mm -hmm. um, because sometimes you get people who are just like on you all the time as a coach, mm. um, and and that might be all right, but also sometimes you can just need to take, like it's like a manager. Sometimes people, a bad manager will always do the thing. They don't actually teach you how you should work. Mm -hmm. A good manager will teach you how you should work. And so ideally a good coach should also make you self-reliant in many ways. Totally agree because they're not going to be there on race day. And even if they are there on race day, yeah. you're going to see making, them twice or yeah. three times. Yeah. So you've got to develop those skills, try to learn from the coach and go, I'm going to be out there by myself all day. You're going to hear from Lucy Gossage later in the show. There's some great mental conditioning stuff you can do. Um, so yeah, you, it's an individual sport and if you always need that reassurance, you've just got to try to take that next step and just try to develop yourself so you can be a bit more um, self-reliant. I think it's re a lot of re the reason why people have a coach is you're looking over your shoulder and, and checking in on you and going, yep, you're doing that right, you're doing that right. But if you need somebody to give you a kick in the butt every day, uh, maybe have a bit more of a think about the why you're doing this and you'll hear about that from Lucy Charles later on. Not Lucy Charles, Lucy Gossage. Gossage. 
Uh, just on that, John, just going back to coronavirus, is that influencing any choices you're making around triathlon this year? No, um, but it could potentially influence my camps, um, so I'm probably in a slightly different... Well, yeah, so then the answer is yes? Yes. If the races get cancelled, then it's a, it's a real shitter, but nothing's happened yet, so yeah. truck on. But I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to read any of the news now. I go to uh, the... Stuff? Not not to stuff. That's where I don't go. Oh. I go to the uh, health association. What is it? Well, oh, around around this stuff. Yeah, oh, because yeah. there's just so much rubbish out there. Yeah. Although I have to admit, like Joe and I, we normally do the big winter holiday. We haven't booked anything. Mm. You know, it, it is. You can see how tourism's going to suffer big mm. time. Totally. You know, so it is a bit of a problem. Okay, John. This week's discussion: Do you invest any specific time in your schedule for mental conditioning, sports psychology, and or what have been the best tools that you have used to improve your mental approach to training and racing? If that doesn't, wording doesn't sound right, feel free to edit it, Bevan. No, I won't be. I always copy and paste it. If there's any spelling mistakes, and this is always John's fault, because I'm a bad speller as well. Um, John, and the reason we're talking about that is because we have Lucy Gossage coming up pretty soon, and she's got a mental training course, which we'll talk about that. But John, let's talk about our new sponsor, You Can. You Can. You can do it, Bevan. Yes, I can. So, have- well, you did a race on the weekend. I did. And I was talking to Deb uh, Lydon. Yep. And she was saying, she was saying to me, okay, she did the duathlon mm. and she got out of the out of the first run, came in a transition with John Newsom next to her. <laughs> nice. And she's like, I've got Newsom and then you took off and she just didn't have you. So this course that we do out there, actually, it's uh, it's two laps on the bike and the first lap you kind of have a pretty clean run. The, du- so the duathlon athletes come out before the swimmers and so we chase a couple of them down and so you can hum it along. It's a country road and... Uh, but then the second lap, all the kids come onto the course. Oh. Far out, Brussels sprout. I was, uh, I wasn't getting angry, but I was a bit nervous because it was really windy. And a couple of places they were like three abreast, and uh, you had to go around them. Oh. And there was bikers coming the other way. I wasn't yelling, but I was suggesting they keep left. Um, but it was a bit nerve wracking in a few places. I lost a bit of bit of time and a bit of power there. Um, but there, and, and before that race, I did have uh, one of the UCAN bars, which I've actually found to be really good. Uh, but the other race that I did a few months ago was a mountain bike uh, sort of challenge, which took me about six hours or so. And that was another time where I really sort of played around with um, with UCAN. So the bike ride took me four hours, swim was 30 minutes, and, the, and the, the run was an hour 45. The difference here that I had to sort of challenge, uh, the, the challenge I had was it was a backcountry race. All you were going to get out there was water. Yep. Um, so I really thought about how I could use the UCAN before the race. So one of the things I like is... You know, I want to be trying to consume as much food as I can before the race that's not going to um, give me any stomach upsets and it's going to settle and digest. So what I normally do is have a couple of M's uh, power bars, uh, you know, maybe two and a half hours, two to two and a half hours before. And then then I've, what I've done now is I've added in the UCAN to try to give me um, just even more energy. And so then I'm able to take another bottle of that between that sort of two and one hour window before the race and I wouldn't be able to probably take any more food just because you know you're a bit nervous and yep. you can't you can only eat so much some people can eat bugger all and so by taking that you can I'm getting extra energy in and it's a really easy way to consume it you know it's just I basically mix a cup a serving up and you just neck it and then job done and it's something also easy you can do en route to the race mm-hmm. so with this one we had a you know like an hour drive to get to the race venue um, and so sort of having that en route to the venue really easy to take down uh, and then the other way that I use you can in this race which is similar to what I've done in Ironmans is uh, and half Ironmans is during that first 
first sort of hour to an hour and a half I'm downing uh, another bottle of Ucan as I sort of make my way through and the intention with that is hopefully that's going to give me that slightly slower burn, slower fuse that's going to help me sort of uh, through the rest of the race and then I'm topping that up with other sports nutrition, um, an EMS bar, um, Infinite and things like that um, and what if I was going to replay that race and next year I'm contemplating doing the, the, the even longer one um, is I'll definitely take another serving of UCAN um, to have during the bike ride but the challenge you've got with these races is you've got to carry everything yeah. and I was going to actually carry a second bottle of UCAN but then when I inadvertently read the uh, required uh, required equipment you needed to to carry during the race um, I sort of realised two days before the race that I wasn't going to have room for everything oh, so okay. I did want to have another bottle of UCAN but my practical planning skills were not such that I could do so uh, and as I said more recently I've been doing uh, these Friday night races and one of the challenges I've found with them uh, is racing at night it's really difficult to think your way through the day how you're actually going to fuel yourself yeah it is a different game isn't it yeah a so you've you're fueled up to the maximum for the race. They're only It's only sort of 45, 50 minute race, but you want to have as much on board as you can without compromising the race in terms of needing to go to the toilet, in terms of um, having an upset stomach. And so again, I sort of eat, eat, ate fairly normally during the day and we need to leave um, about two hours before the race to actually get there on time. And uh, so what I found really effective those last two Friday night races is having one of the UCAN bars on the way out because I kind of feel at like that time of the day I need to have a bit more solid food. Uh, and so I've been having them and it's worked a treat because I've performed above my expectations for the last two races. And I've also had a couple of local converts did the uh, Ironman at the weekend, Ironman New Zealand. Yep. Both sort of struggled a bit with nutrition. Since they heard about UCAN on here, they've just added that into their mix and uh, it's worked a treat. So if you want to check out We'll hit some key points. Do you want to do the key points? Yep. So super starch is the underlying carbohydrate in UCAN. Um, as I said, it provides a long-lasting energy without the sort of spikes and crashes you get from just constantly taking really, really sugary products. Um, as I said, it's available in power, pow, uh, powders and also in bars. They also have an electrolyte drink as well. So we've got to keep focused on that. Yep. We know that if it's good enough for Tim O'Donnell, good enough for us because he smoked it in the second half of Kona he smoked it before in Kona but the yeah, second half of that year, run yeah. was, uh, was impressive okay Iron Talk listeners the great thing is you get a discount code we'll, Iron Talk code will uh, be used for the episodes upcoming all parties that we have had in the last year have agreed to come on board with this offering 15% off and we've added 10% off to our UK listeners so we've got different sites um, the US is generationucan.com Canada at smartperformancenutrition.ca Australia it's generationucan.com.au New Zealand superstarch.co.nz and UK where you get 10% off is generationucan.co.uk so the UK uh, listeners you didn't have that promo code before I know a lot of you are asking about it so uh, yeah you get 10% off so check it discount. out so if you want to get discount even 15% off in most places 10% off in the UK and starters pack in the US which is the generationucan.com uh, for the starters pack you get 25% off I so love starter packs I think a lot well, of you guys try something, they? yeah you guys will be going oh is it really that good and I will stress it is a really different consistency um, and it's not a sports drink it's really different in terms of the, so you need to the, the flavour and so yeah there's, there's multiple different flavours my current flav- favourite is the, the chocolate um, so the, in the starter pack they've got a few sample packs of the drink they've got a sample of the different flavoured um, bars and then they've got a few samples of the uh, the electrolyte drink so it's only you get 25% off so it's only 22 bucks 50 in the US and we'll have a link for that it's uh, 
we'll put a link up on our website and we'll put it on our Facebook page as well because it's quite a long link. Generation you can slash product slash you can hyphen try hyphen starter hyphen pack hyphen 25 hyphen off um, and go check it out. Great way to, to test it out, see what you think. Okay, there we go. That is a Generation you can check, check, check it out. John, let's go. I'll put some music on. Dribble of the week. Good old Tom Woods on fire. He's got here finally. Steph, how do you say last name, John? Steph will go petite or petite. Petite, petite. As a coach, there are there are occasional rare occasions when an athlete's a. What are you doing, John? I'm making the font bigger for you. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mid sentence. This is the joys of Google. Uh, we use Google Docs. Docs for the show, and he's editing as I'm as I'm reading. So stop <laughs> yourself. He makes it pink. He brings the font bigger. I was fine. I'm not blind like you. Okay. <laughs> Okay, sort it out. Okay. As a coach, there are those rare occasions when the athlete surpasses all expectations. This was one of those. Steph had chosen to take control of her Dubai 70.3 build by and assume considerable an autonomy. autonomy over her training plan. She did away with the usual measures of progress we see in many of today's training plans. Instead, she opted not to focus on speed, power, and heart rate. She did not ignore these, but she focused more on quality, technique, and feel. She mostly used her intuition to make her training decisions. This is a process she has spent some two years building towards. Having this level of understanding takes time and dedication. Her attention to detail was impeccable and she ensured that she worked hard on her body composition and functional movement to complement her swim, bike and run training. Seth has had, them, had, had no, almost no sports background as an adult prior to starting triathlon a couple of years ago. Her life has been more about partying and holidaying. That's a contrast in lifestyle then, isn't it? <laughs> uh, going into this race, sub five hours would have been Steph's aspirational goal, but she still felt focused and uh, how, uh, on how well she was going to execute the process rather than how fast she should go. After courageously starting near the front of the race, she executed a brilliant tactical swim that saw her exit the water in 29 minutes, her first sub-30 70.3 PB, and an overall swim of 1.9, because it was a little bit long, obviously. Uh, she biked her way uh, through the bike split of a 2.25 on the road bike, On a road bike, that's impressive. Yep, and then she ran a 1.52 half marathon. Half marathon PB, three minutes in a uh, a 70.3, and a PB of, oh no, three minutes in a normal half marathon PB, and in a 70.3, 13 minute PB. Great effort. With the exception of the bike lead, she used no data during the race and followed her training intuition to decide her paces and her tactics. She buried herself in this race and left nothing else out there. She ended up with a finish time of 4.54.23, smashing her previous uh, race aspirational goal. She was fourth in her age group and just 18 seconds off third. There are some timing issues in Dubai, so we don't know yet if Steph has secured a race for the World Championships in Tupel. Yeah, the topo. topo. I'm still going topo. We used to say tapo, didn't we? We, we tapo is how the your classic so, white so Kiwi's going to say so it. Topo, topo. But you do put a bit of a mouldy slant on it, don't you? But then, topo. then the guys are doing the Ironman coverage of the weekend. No, they topo. They've been told to say it a bit differently. Yeah, well, I think they're just saying topo. Yeah, but it's a bit more topo. 
Anyway, uh, we know she deserves one. Regardless of the outcome, we could be not more. We could not be more proud of Steph. Not so much for the result, but for how she went about achieving it, and the fact that she smile. Re- the smile really leaves her face. She is a role model for all of us, and as her coach, I have no doubt that this will be just the beginning. I am certain that this will be a catalyst for greater things to come. So, Stephanie, Steph, Stephanie, Steph, Petit or Petit, you, you are, are our age, age group of the week. week. There's some good lessons in there, isn't there? There is. Sometimes staring at the old numbers, you can just get out there and just relax a bit more, focus on the technique and the flow, and just get into it. Just get into it, John. What's the next letter? The next letter. Okay, am I still in the draw? That's what I want to figure out. Do I win? Can I win? The next letter is an N. I'm in it. Mm, so I'm still in it yeah. as well. <laughs> I chose that, so we're both still in the draw. <laughs> okay, so you have an E and an N in your name. You are still in the draw of the winter trip to Kona. If not, we love your support. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, John, we're going to interview with Lucy Gossage. She's been doing a an amazing mental mind. It's called I Am Mind. Uh, it's a course that she's been doing with a friend of hers called Helen, who's a sports psychologist. We also talk about her retirement. So here is Lucy Gossage right now. Okay, guys, um, we've had, got a crowd favourite. At least she's she's certainly one of our crowd favourites and a lot of the you Pommy listeners. We know you love her. Lucy Gossage, 14-time... Iron Distance champion and won a heaps of other races as well as podium all over the place. But unfortunately, over the weekend, she has just lost her Ironman New Zealand bike course record, which she set in 2016. Uh, so Lucy, <laughs> well, welcome to the show. Way, I think. <laughs> what was that? Sorry, <laughs> I would get in by quite a way. I think I would get in. I got. I had a puncture when I got that record, but I, um, I think it was well and truly and utterly smashed. So. Yeah, well done, Teresa. There's, there's <laughs> two asterisks there. Race. Yeah, two asterisks um, is different different course. Um, and oh, it was a different course. Different course. Oh, that'd be right. So, <laughs> 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 which made it um, made it a bit faster, but it was still a pretty stunning performance. And she had actually won the New Zealand Time Trial Championships uh, for cycling only a couple of weeks before. So, pretty pretty hot form. Um, look, we get, we want to talk to you a bit about retirement because the last time we we spoke to you, I think you were you were teetering on retirement, but it seemed like you were still bloody winning all these races despite working. So, um, tell us a bit about you know that stage when you. You did say you initially retired and then you you kept on racing whilst you were working were, you, were your performances st- you were still getting podiums and winning races were you, was your, your standard still as high as what it was when you were racing full-time as opposed to part-time uh yeah surprisingly actually so I, I i actually only had two and a half years full-time so my last race um as full-time athlete was kona 2016 and i would just broken my collarbone about eight weeks before and then I went back to work literally two weeks after that. And at the time, I kind of, I thought that was it. And I thought I was retired. But um, I was kind of telling myself that. And and then I think I decided to carry on racing just because I, almost to prove a point, that you could, could juggle it. And um, so 2017, I started and um, I had, re- I really struggled going back to work, trying to find the balance. And I think I was basically trying to train like full time still and, and obviously put work in on top of it. But um, when I got the balance right, I, I actually did really well. And I won, I think I won another eight Ironman, well, six Ironman titles and two, two of the extreme ones since going back to work. So, um, yeah, and I, th- I think, if anything, it showed me that I probably used to overtrain <laughs> when I was full-time because, you know, I'd get a bit bored. Um, so having work factored in certainly stopped me doing that. Um, and I do think there's... 
there's a huge amount to be said for for racing just because you can you know without any pressure um and I remember one race my my last probably my last kind of one where I was I would say I was living my life as a professional was I'm on Wales in 2018 I'd done my like my final final ever oncology exams three days before and I was driving up to the race and I just remember talking to a friend on the phone I was like I, I feel really uh, like I just feel so lucky compared to the other pros because for me this is just like it's just a race and it's just fun and I'm just doing it purely because I want to and yeah I want to win it but if I don't win it, it doesn't matter and you know when you're full-time it's so easy to get caught up in in the results and the goals and and uh, you know a lot of pros are financially dependent on their races and, and that adds another element of pressure and if you have a niggle it all becomes all too serious so um yeah for me it worked really well racing and working and um I think I'm an for those of you who don't know I'm an oncologist and um I think that actually helped me as well because it made me realize how lucky I was to be to have the opportunities that I was having and and kind of really savored them and um yeah when I realized I could race well without training as much it kind of made it a lot harder to stop <laughs> so I just carried on and carried on could I ask, um, I'm kind of curious, you know, you're an oncologist, that's a pretty high level person in in one area of life, you know, and to become that level in any area is, is pretty high level, but then you're also a high level triathlete. Can you talk a little bit about how your self-management of time and energy, because I imagine you're doing your oncology exams and that's got to be full on, and then I'm sure you're not doing, living the full-time pro athlete career, but you're still performing at a high level, so how do you go about making sure you can be good at everything that you're doing um I don't I don't think you can be good at everything that you're doing um and someone once said to me you can do two things well in your life but you can't do three um and I think that's true actually but you can juggle you know I don't have kids so there's no way I can bring kids into that mix um I I think one of the things I found hard when I was doing those exams actually I, I I did find it hard because whenever I was working for my exams then I I feel like I, I wanted to be out on the bike training but actually when I was on the bike even if it was glorious sunny day I wasn't in the moment enjoying it I was thinking oh I shouldn't be at my books and I found that um that really hard so the way I got around that is by literally timetabling um and and kind of writing and and this sounds this sounds ridiculous but that those four months running into that exam were crazy because I had I'm in UK I had I'm in Wales I had my best friend's wedding in Mallorca I had work and had my exams um, and it was just bonkers and I actually had to timetable in social time which mm. sounds ridiculous yeah. but otherwise that would go and my life would have fallen apart so I would literally block out in my diary you know a Friday night and maybe a couple of hours on another day or whatever where I, I wasn't doing anything um, which I found really helpful um, but I think it goes back you know whatever you're doing in life and, and you guys know this you've got to be doing it for the right reasons and my exams I didn't have a choice I had to do those I would have quite happily taken them out of my life but they were um they were they were non-negotiable um but triathlon at the time I was still very clear in my mind that I wanted to do it and that the sacrifices I'm making were, were worth it um and and so that meant that I didn't didn't mind the sacrifice as much um but yeah it was a it was a tough few months for sure <laughs> so it, it seems like now though you have you've you've pulled the plug and um you've fully stepped away and, and looking for a new few other adventures yeah, it was, uh, I mean, last year, I, 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 you know, you talk about what's being professional, and I think being a professional athlete is living your life around triathlon, so in 2018, I was basing all my free time around around performing as well as I could, 
Um, and see, that I realised at the end of last year that I just didn't have that will within me to make all those sacrifices. But I also retirement's tough. Like I, I loved it so much, and um, you know, I'd come off the back of winning, I think, six races in a row. Um, I was making a lot of money from it. They were, they were kind of practical reasons not to retire but I could get around those but what I couldn't get around was that that fact that I still wanted to be out there and I still loved it so I had a year where I did um I did Norseman which was um you know that was I'd done Patagonia at the end of December end of 2018 and Norseman was kind of the follow-on from that so I did that and I ended up <clears throat> racing Ironman Wales as a last minute actually because some patients um I'd kind of been mulling it over whether or not I should do it after Norseman and um and I like I hadn't lived my life training for it but I knew I was fit enough to get around it and people were like oh you won't win it you'll hate it and then I just saw a couple of patients who um you know no but that's what Joe Bloggs thinks they think it's all about winning and um there were a couple of patients and they had young guys had cancer they couldn't do what they wanted to do and I came away from work that day I was like God, I'm bloody going to race Ironman Wales because I can and because I want to. So I did that, and actually, that was um, I didn't know it at the time, but that was that was the race that I hoped it would be the race that would let me say goodbye. But it was the race that let me say goodbye, um, and it was yeah, it was just such a nice send off. Um, but it's it's hard retirement, and I I feel very lucky that I've got a job that I love, and I've got lots of other things you know charity things and my and, and a little bit of a platform that I can do stuff with because it's I, I yeah I really I've really struggled with it <laughs> and um I'm sure when you know when the races kick off and even like yesterday dad throws you out you're like oh your bike record went and I'm and like it's like a little stab you're like I can't even do anything about it um so I don't I think it's something that's not talked about enough actually and and what how hard it must be for you know, for people who've, who've triathlon has been their life all the way through from when they're kids. And, and I feel quite lucky because I, I achieved way more than I ever set out to do. I never set out to be a pro triathlete. But so it was, an, I, I feel like I've fulfilled everything I wanted to do and I've retired on my own terms. It wasn't because I was injured or anything. But so many people don't have that, you know, and I've, I've, despite all of that, I found it really, really hard um, and, and a lot of people have kind of unfulfilled ambitions or financial pressures. They maybe don't have, you know, what do they do after triathlon? If triathlon's been your life, it's, it can be it can be really hard. And, yeah, I think it's something that maybe governing bodies need to think a little bit more about. But um, certainly it's not been easy. <laughs> when you say it's hard, what is hard? Like describe what, what – give us more detail about what is hard about retirement. I think for me, it's that that I love it. I, I I love being on that. I love I love pushing myself. Um, I love finding ways to to win. And and you know, it could be training as hard as you could. But actually, when I went back to work, you could perhaps not be as fit, but you could win by being clever. Um, I love that performing on a big stage. And yeah, you can, I can get the same satisfaction from setting myself goals in local running races, but. It's amazing being on the, you know, running around Ironman Wales with everyone cheering your name and letting go of that is really hard. Um, I, I, I guess there's a little bit, you know, people don't like to talk about it, but you're a, a mini celebrity when you're mm. a pro triathlete. And I think I, being a doctor, you're a mini celebrity with your patients. So you kind of get that at work. But how, you know, to, to, to give all of that up, 
Um, and then that loss of, you know, that purpose, like I go out on a run or a bike ride, but there's no reason for me to go on a bike ride anymore. And I, I find that really hard to, and, and I like, I like it. I can still go and smash myself on a turbo and, and, and I, I'm, I'm glad that I can still do that. There is a, there's a big bit of, you know, what's the challenge? What's the goal? And and people, to me, you know, people come up to me and, and I, I worry that my life's becoming normal now. And, and you know, mm-hmm. people, even other colleagues at work, they're like, oh, what's your next adventure? What's your next? I'm like, well, I'm just trying to be, you know, I haven't really got anything. And, mm-hmm. um, I yeah, so and I have, you know, I have a massive purpose in my life with work. But if your whole focus has been in triathlon and then suddenly it goes, and you're what? You're 35. You're 40. It's, I, I, I think, I, yeah, I think it's it's hard, and I I can understand how people get depressed. I mean, I haven't been depressed at all, but I, you know, I I can understand how without that, all those hours that you've spent training, and then your body is adjusting to. And I'm still, I you know, I'm addicted to exercise. I think because I still like this weekend. I cycled to Cambridge and back, which is 100 miles each way, and there was that. That's not normal. There was no reason to do that, but it was just kind of a little fun adventure. Just thought I'd go to see some friends for dinner, but instead of driving, I'd, I'd bike there. Um, but as an athlete, you can justify that as, you know, always oh, training. Mm. There was absolutely no point in that. It was just, you know, it was just a, a stupid thing to do, really. Was, was um, you know, the thought, it sounds like you you wound down with those, um, with Norseman and with Patagonia and so on. So you kind of had that little bit of a winding down process. Um, did you ever consider age group racing um, or did you kind of think oh, I've actually achieved everything I wanted to achieve, I've gone as fast as I think it was possible or is age group racing something that might uh, happen for you further down the track? Uh, no, not certainly not kind of imminently. I mean, I, th- I think I could have, and I guess this is what a lot of people do, I could have, ca- I could carry on racing this year and I could carry on getting probably for lots of fourth and fifth places and you don't lose that, you know, you do a lot less training, you don't lose that much. Um, but I think for me, I, I, and I guess we'll talk a bit about the psychology side of it, but one of the biggest things that I've realised is, is having your why and for me, my why, I realised after I'm, that I'm on Wales last year, I was meant to do Patagon Man again um, and I realised that actually that that Wales was enough and I didn't have a burning desire to be on another start line anymore um, and I think that was really helpful in letting me decide that actually I didn't need to go back and do Patagon Man the only reason I would have gone was because I said I was going to do it. Um, so... Yeah, I'm not. I, I never really answer questions, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think my my I don't I don't need, I don't need to make with the sacrifices. I don't. I'm not. I don't want to make the sacrifices that I made all the rest of you know for the last ten years or so um, to to justify racing professionally. Um, but I will still find other challenges. Um, I'm sure. So you, you're a broadcasting professional. I mean, if you don't answer, answer questions as well, you could be a politician for yeah, okay. yeah. the track. <laughs> you kind we of, think you kind of led, led me into sort of into the sports <laughs> psychology side of things. Um, so when did you first actually go and, and see a sports psychologist, and and what was the the catalyst to actually go and do that? Um, so I, it's quite interesting because I. Um, so my yeah, I'm I never planned to be a pro, and I kind of fell into this pro thing, and and actually was doing started doing quite well, and on paper it looked like I was doing well, but I always felt like I was this this fraud, and you know had just acts, you know I was fluking results, and I'd only won because so and so didn't turn up, and um, 
you know they it was just a it was just good luck really and and I I just kind of write off all my results like that and um, I used to go swimming with Helen um, who is a sports psychologist and you know anyone who knows me racing knows that swimming's a, a bloody disaster for me and I've you know I, I tried really hard to it but fundamentally it was always a big weakness um, <clears throat> we'd get in the pool and we'd be given a set and you know I don't know 10 400s off a time and I'd be like I can't do that and I'd be so negative I'd be like no I'm going to go at the back and and Helen was Helen was really interested, and she's like, "Well, of course you're not going to be able to to do it if you say that you can't do it." Um, and, and we were friends. And then she kind of cautiously said, Look, "How? How? What do you think about me helping you and doing something formally with you?" And I was like, "Nah, I don't. I don't really need any sports psychology. I'm, I'd always kind of thought I was quite strong and quite good." Um, but anyway, we started doing some work together. It was 2016, actually. So it's quite. It was my last year as a full time pro. So it's quite late in my career. Um, but I think that coincided with me being a name, um, which I really, you know, a name in inverted commas, which I, I hated. I loved being the underdog. Um, <laughs> and I actually, going back to work, I kind of, kind of made me an underdog again. But it coincided with, with kind of being on a start list and people would say I was the one to beat. And also coincided with a lot of um, niggles and injuries and um, various other things that were going on. And, and we did did a lot of work together, um, which I found I found it really hard in actually opening, even telling he's a friend, but because you have to open up to yourself. as You have to, it only works if you invest in it, but you have to be honest about how your brain thinks and things to, to make it work. Um, and then it was just so helpful, some of the simple stuff that, that she taught me, actually going into, so that, that race in New Zealand, for example, um, where I got the, the course record, I'd only run, started running two weeks before. So I'd, I'd been injured all winter. I'd literally started running two weeks before. Um, and I managed to do the race, got a puncture, overcome that kind of challenge of a puncture in my head and still managed to finish second. And and that was, in the old days, I wouldn't have even started my brain. You know, I would have said, well, this, of course you can't do an Ironman after two weeks. But I'm not advocating it, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, getting the flight home was, was really bad. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I flew back that night and I literally I remember the plane stopped in China and I couldn't get off the plane <laughs> I literally <laughs> had to be like helped off with this dude <laughs> um, but anyway then I did South Africa about five weeks later and I tore my Achilles so that was just a disaster and then um, then I did Ironman UK and I, my boyfriend and I broken up on the Monday of the race and there and then obviously it's Kona and I broke my collarbone eight weeks before so no one knew any of this from the collarbone I, didn't, I wasn't really public about it and you'd look at my results you'd be like she had an amazing race she was like second in New Zealand third in South Africa one Ironman UK um, where was a ninth in Kona or something you'd be like that's an amazing year but actually I'd had all this stuff and that year was because of my, because of the psychology stuff that I'd done. I kind of let my brain do the racing without my body perhaps being there. Obviously, your body has to be there a bit. Um, but then because of that, I then, I think that helped me then when I went back to work, I realized that actually you can race well, despite perhaps having, you know, what I would have said would be inadequate preparation previously. Um, and I, I think it, you know, it helped me rationalize why whether I really wanted to go back to whether I really wanted to carry on racing um and I realized I did and and just that whole whole thing helped me helped me carry on racing for so long and um yeah so it was it was so it was so useful doing that psychology work with Helen and completely changed my outlook on things and all the stuff you know with the swim I used to 
I used to be fixated on the fact that I had to get on someone's feet for the swim. And I'm, I'm a rubbish swimmer, but the swim start, you know, it's, it's really obviously quite a stressful time anyway with all the music and the fanfare and everything. And when you're just so fixated on the fact that you have to get on someone's feet, and if you don't get on someone's feet, then the whole race is going to be written off. And that was what my brain used to, to say. And, and just changing that talk to actually, you're probably going to swim an hour whether or not you're on someone's feet. You can swim an hour nice and relaxed on your own, or you can swim an hour chopping and churving and getting stressed and getting blocked and getting back on. You might swim 58 minutes, but you, you know, you'll use up a lot more energy. And then I, when, as soon as I realized that, and then I, I just go into it nice and relaxed and I'd be like, well, I can swim an hour regardless. I wouldn't think about, you know, yeah, it's nice to get on someone's feet. Um, but I'd change my self-talk to, to kind of, chasing from behind and I had I remember in New Zealand I was going to uh, to the start going danger danger you know that song there <laughs> Queen yeah, Lightly, yeah, whatever. Yeah. and I was like the girls ahead will all be thinking danger danger Goss is coming from behind <laughs> but it's just really interesting how you can change your self-talk completely from and, and it's not changing your phys- physical ability it's just changing how you think about something um and there are really simple techniques that you can use to do that um so yeah, it's fascinating. I'm not a psychologist, but I just think it's it's really interesting. <laughs> so the, the sort of the process that you went through with Helen is that kind of was that the genesis for actually creating what you've done with with her in terms of Iron Mind and sort of the, the it's like a six series six clips or twenty minute sort of tutorials on um, sports psychology. Was that kind of the process that you went through with her, or was it a little bit different? No, it was pretty much um, the same, or very, certainly very similar. I mean, obviously it's different because I did it one-to-one with Helen and you obviously get that interaction that you don't by doing um, an, an online kind of course. But a lot of the, the work, so so this is a six a six kind of video course and it's um, each video is about 20 to 30 minutes, but it's got workbooks that you do kind of pause it and fill in the workbooks alongside it. <clears throat> and the workbooks are very similar to to the stuff that I did with Helen, and I'd I'd then actually you know I'd refer back to it even a year two years down the line when I was having a little you know how you have like a swim bubble you know a a little bump in the road or a, I'd sometimes get mental blocks and and would refer back to them so yeah the idea for our mind came from Helen um, we actually came from a mutual friend of ours who suggested it's Helen and Helen was like oh this sounds really good and we had a look and there wasn't anything else out there. Um, and I actually, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not very good at doing stuff like this. And but I get asked the whole time to coach people, and I've always said no because I think I, I'd be a rubbish, I'd be a completely rubbish coach um, <laughs> because I'm not trained to be a coach. I don't, you know, what I did was very off piece to what most people do. And actually, anyone who looked at my training would be like, you know, I think too many people overcomplicate triathlon. Basically, swim, bike, run, do a bit of hard stuff, and that's all you need to do. So I'd be a rubbish coach. But when Helen suggested this, I thought, well, actually, I think I do think that my my asset was my mind and my mental strength and my asset. And maybe I could be quite helpful to people. Um, so, yeah, Helen, Helen did all the groundwork behind it. And I just shared my experiences alongside, which I guess made some of the, the thing, I guess it provided examples and there are examples from other athletes in there as well um, about how psychology can can impact on um, on your racing. Um so yeah, I hope it's helpful. Um, I think it, the feedback we're getting from people who tried it is that it it is really helpful, um, and and a, it it goes takes you through six very simple um, kind of main main things. So one of the big things, for example, that I really worked on was confidence. Um, 
and I really struggled with being confident and I kind of alluded to it earlier I always would write myself off and I'd be you know say that I fluked it and um I just I couldn't get my I, I really struggled with the difference between confidence and arrogance and I I'd hate to be thought of as being arrogant and even even like trying to sell this now you know I hate I hate saying actually I think it's good I'm like well I think it's good but I hope That's it's good. good but please try it and please yeah. please tell me if you think it's wrong um, but I really struggled with with confidence and and um, did a huge amount of work about about confidence and one of the things that would help was was kind of changing my changing my beliefs and and actually not being you know I'd, all the arguments that I was saying how I won races by fluke actually they're completely irrational and writing that down and and challenging it made me help me realize that it was irrational and then I worked out strategies to help me become confident and one of the things that we did was work out a plan a mental plan for race week um which I still do if I was doing a race now like a, a marathon I'd probably still do it now um and I work I'd fit it in I'd write it in as a training plan exactly as I'd write in my training taper you know my taper plan with swim or whatever on the Monday rest on the Tuesday I'd write in my mental strategy so Monday might be watch some fun videos Tuesday might be go and do a session with some with a friend who'll always give you an ego boost Wednesday might be do nothing at all Thursday might I don't know dinner with friends and but I worked out something that that really worked for me to get my mental my brain in the right place for and what I called it was getting ready for a smash face and that just that smash fest and that just meant that I was really excited I wasn't scared about pain I didn't care what anyone else was doing I was just really ready to get on that start line and give it everything that I had and and I had even you know on the Monday I might just be like oh my god I can't so for example when uh Campbell my boyfriend and I broke up on the Monday before Ironman UK and I was going in as four times Ironman champion or something and you know, on that day, the last thing you want to do on the Sunday is race an Ironman. Mm. But somehow I managed to get my mental state ready so that on the Saturday night, I was like, I'm going to race an Ironman and I am ready for it. Um, and obviously there were bits on the Sunday where, you know, oh, my God, I've just, you know, you know what it's like, came in. But I just, again, we worked out a strategy for what happens when I start to think about the fact of breaking up with Campbell. Well, I had a little box, metaphorical box, and I opened the box for 30 seconds and I set my timer and then I closed it. And it sounds so stupid, but it works. And and the rest of the time I was fixated on my racing and I won the race and, you know, I burst into tears at the end, but that didn't matter. I'd done the race, I got myself. So you can, you can, you can get your brain to do stuff that you would not imagine it might be able to do if you know the strategies. And the strategies are different for everybody. So you can't just go and read a book and say this is what you need to do but you can work out what works for you and trial different things and luckily for Ironman you're training a lot so you get a lot of time to practice them. <laughs> one, one of the things I really liked about it is um, it was fairly simple in terms of in yeah, practical, practical. Yeah. You know, it, was, it wasn't all this gobbledygook speak <laughs> gobbledygook. it was uh, it was nice <laughs> and practical and a lot of it comes down to just planning and not hoping for the best so I think some of the things that came out for me you know you, you, you obviously people want to go in and go I want to be really confident going into this race but then what you guys have done is the background work to actually rather than just trying to be confident thinking confidently and thinking confidently I'm going to do well because of this this and this and also just 
I always send my athletes a race planning document and some choose to go into a certain amount of detail of really focus on, right, I want to hold 200 watts and I want to hold this heart rate, but they actually ignore the, the bits when, oh, shit, if things get start to get a bit tough, what am I going to focus on? Um, and that you guys have done yeah. a really good job on breaking that down in terms of all those what-ifs, like what if I get a puncture, yeah. how am I going to react to that? When I feel shitty on the run, um, how am I going to react to that? If you get nervous before the race, and just getting having a, a really solid plan in place, so well, I, I, I really think, liked it. I think also on top of that is that stuff always happens in our sport. You mm. know, it, it's not it not be the, the puncher for you in this race, but every because it's such a long sport with so many variables, there's always going to be something that goes not to plan in a race. And if you've spent the time strategizing around how you're going to mentally work through it and practically mm. work through it, you're going to have a more successful experience, aren't you? It's, yeah. Yeah, it's it's all really. I think psychology is it's so common sense, and when you know it, you look you like, well, why didn't I think of that before, though? Mm. <laughs> but but unless you do, unless you and you have to. I think the thing about psychology is you have to invest the time in it, and anyone can watch a running video, but it's not going to make them suddenly run with you know perfect technique. You need to go and practice it, and you need to go and work on your left arm relaxing or whatever it is that you need to change you can't just automatically tell yourself like this is how I'm, I'm going to think um and there's a lot of evidence behind the you know behind the strategies that Helen uses but it is it is so simple um but it really and I think the other the other really big thing and and I see it quite a lot is that people enter Ironmans because they feel that they they should and someone says you know oh you should do an Ironman they've done a half Ironman and and I, I'm always when people say should I should I do one or or what should I do I'm always very clear about you know right work out whether you really want to do it and um and what your reasons are for doing it because I'm it's so tough training for it if you train properly and we all know that there are times where you just like I just want to go out on Saturday night and get hammered I don't want to go and do a three-hour run on Sunday morning um and you know you're out on the bike line it starts raining you know like, I just want to stop at two hours I don't want to go and do five hours but if you know your why then it it makes it so much easier to make those sacrifices and get to get through the hard sessions mm. um and also rationalize that the hard sessions actually are probably the ones that that make the biggest difference you know the ones where the sessions that are where you feel great and you're easily pushing your watts and you're easily making your pace they're, they're great but actually probably the ones that you learn the most from are the ones that are you know, really tough where you're nowhere near your target watts, but you're just gritting it out because you're going to get it done. Mm. No, I love it how uh, yeah, constantly through the series it was about being rational, and uh, and that's one of the things I really liked. Now, what the the series does is it kind of it's building you up towards your race performance, and as you said, you've got to practice it in training, got to practice it in your in your warm up races, you got to practice all the stuff in your key sessions. So when you're having a tough day, then you can go right. Yeah. I'm going to focus on, on X, Y, and Z. One of the things that doesn't doesn't address, and, and this might be an idea for you guys further down the track, <laughs> is when things don't go well in the race you know you you've maybe you've planned all the stuff um and but you just ended up having a shitty race so you know for for you and i i think we can both think of kona 2014 i think yeah, yeah but it was both oh, yeah yeah <laughs> like yeah. you you exploded before i did um and but not that not that it was a competition it was a long walk <laughs> yeah but how, how do you miles. yeah how have, how, how have you learned to deal with um the days when when things don't go well God, yeah, that's that's a really, that would be a really interesting one actually. So I, I remember that. So 2014, my first full time year, and I'd put so much pressure on myself, and I had a bit of an Achilles niggle um, going into the race. And um, anyway, I ended up walking 21 miles 
I finished, but I was the last finisher, last pro finisher. And then I got binned by my bike sponsor, and then I got put on the whereabouts program, which is a good thing, but, you know, fundamentally it was like, oh, for fuck's sake, now I've got to remember where I am every hour. <laughs> Sorry, excuse my swearing. Right. It was just like bad thing after bad thing after bad thing, and I was like, gosh, should I just go back to work and be a doctor? And I, <laughs> I, remember, I remember very clearly at my next race is South Africa, and... I just had a, a little bit of an Achilles niggle running into it. And I said to James, my friend who was going out there, I said, I don't, like, I'm really worried that I'm going to end up walking again. I don't know how I'll come back from it if I do end up walking. And it's it's so hard, isn't it? Um, gosh, I don't know what the, so I, I've actually never finished, never not finished a race. Um, and I think for me, that's really, that was, that's something I'm really proud of. So I'm, I don't recommend everyone finishes everything with injuries, but I've, I'm never not not finished and I think for me I would worry that if I pull out of a race that then opens the door to pulling out again when it gets um when it gets tough mm. um so the, and I think one race you can you can brush off you can come back from one bad race to come back from two or three or four and I you know I found it when I went back to work I think 2017 I did Lanzarote and I finished third which and I, I didn't have a great race I was um you know it was actually Lucy Charles who won it. it was her first kind of breakthrough race so I don't feel bad about it but fun I, I again I found a lot of people were kind of like yeah Lucy's not Lucy May Gossage hasn't still got it she's she's not going to be able to and overcoming that was was really hard um I don't know how I managed to do it actually um it yeah it was there was definitely I definitely did have to do a lot of work on my self-belief and not after that Lanzarote, because that's what people were saying, maybe not to my face, but they were all saying, yeah, Lucy Gossage hasn't, hasn't got it anymore. Um, I'll, I'll take, I'll uh, take yeah, shears I, I in did, your, uh, I'll take shears in the next series that you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good idea. Cause I did, I'm not sure exactly how I got, got there, but I did spend a lot of time thinking about it. Yeah. Um, I think probably one of the, the most helpful things was, taking the pressure off myself and and I said it earlier like I liked being the underdog and actually I told myself just after that I was like well you're still the underdog going at mm. the start of that year I felt like I I people expect the same but actually in some ways that race took off a huge amount of pressure because I felt that then everyone would not really expect very much from me so all I could do is exceed expectations um mm. but again it's just working out what what makes your brain work and mm. and what's the best thing yeah what gets you ticking so what's, Again, what's, I didn't answer, did I? <laughs> <laughs> what's the um, What's the plan for this year? Have you got anything on the radar? I know you, you, you're not really racing seriously, but uh, any any other things you want to potentially get out there that you're doing? Um, so I have found something I'm very proud of is 5K Your Way Move Against Cancer. Um, so that's this is it's such a cool initiative um, that I've set up in the UK. So do you guys have park runs? I'm we not do. sure if you do. Yeah, yeah, yep. You do. So we have, I don't know, five, 400 or something of them across the UK. Um, and we, 5K Your Way is, is a really simple initiative to get people with living with and after cancer down to park runs the last yeah. Saturday of every month. Um, so we've now got um, 56 groups across the UK um, and we're, we're kind of a, an active support group with a difference. So we use a walk, jog, run, cheer or volunteer and then we all go and have coffee. So it's really simple. Um, it's actually quite nice from triathlon because Chrissy Wellington is head of um, well-being, head of social well-being for Park Run, global health of so- social well-being. So um, in no part 
our growth and our expansion has been facilitated um, by her backing us and giving us the leeway to do what we're doing. And um, we actually had a conference call with her today just to update her on progress and things. So it's, it's pretty cool how triathlon can because i didn't know chrissy when she was racing but um you know i was always like idolized her but um it's pretty cool how triathlon can you know lead to some cool stuff so yeah that's it that's something it's getting bigger and bigger and um there's a lot of evidence that physical activities are good for people living with an after cancer on a, a number of levels physical and um psychosocial um so there is science behind what we're doing and, and we've got big ambitions to to get bigger and bigger and help more people um so that's yeah that's really exciting it's taking up a lot of my time but um i love it it's really passionate about it um we'll have to get some groups in new zealand at some point we've oh, yeah. we've actually been asked by australia where you had quite a lot of people in australia say can we do it and yeah. um, we're like hold on hold on <laughs> we're trying to trying to control the uk at the minute we can't oh, yeah. um can't do too can't run before we walk um oh, yeah. but yeah we're, we're all about encouraging walking as well so that's um yeah that's kind of my my little baby at the moment and then i was going to run the marathon but i've Done, done something to my back so i don't think that will be happening i think it'll be cancelled anyway because of coronavirus so exactly. maybe it's a blessing so, <laughs> right, so if you want to check out um what lucy's been doing and uh and her friend helen look I, i've been giving it t- telling athletes to, to get on the last couple of weeks since i've been doing it a few people going into mm-hmm. ironman new zealand have recommended even though it was fairly late in the game i thought they could have really benefited from it so it's um yeah, yeah I've, it's I've, really good practical course. i would have, i would have stopped after the first one if i thought it was rubbish and i'm uh, i'm five through i think i've got one to go um so yeah and i definitely think it's something you need to keep revisiting because i'm i'm one of those people if i watch it once get a bit out of it but i probably actually need to go through it two or three times well, really i also think value. with anything like this study it you know like like for me if i've got a, if i what i often do is i like i'll read a book and if i think it's a good book then i'll go okay now i'm going to study it and it's it's one of these things you can watch and go that's a good idea but if you actually study to apply you're going to get massive benefits in your performance and ultimately that's what we want isn't it yeah. so go to think- yeah i mean one thing sorry i just would just say one thing i would say is you need to you know you need to sit down and do it and you can't just do it on the turbo and watch it you need to sit down in a room and a quiet room with no distractions and set aside 45 minutes or an hour for for each session and maybe spread them apart a week apart because it's it is as you've just said you need to you need to think about it and take the time and write down you know they we've got the worksheets but you need to fill them in properly so um if you just watch the videos, it probably won't help very much. You've got to watch them and do the work <laughs> alongside I, them. And I can attest to that because I did watch one of them on the trainer and I thought that was rubbish. I couldn't, not the video was rubbish, but that was rubbish. I didn't get much Quite out this, of yeah. that. So guys, go to thinkbelieveperform.co.uk slash iron hyphen mind. We'll have a link and stuff on the website. Um, use the promo code IMTALK10 um, and get into it. So Lucy, thanks very much for your time. And uh we look forward to seeing what's next uh, next for you, so keep in touch. Thanks very much for having me on. Lovely to chat to you. John, your thoughts? It's really good. As I said, uh, I've been recommending it to a few people already since yeah, we've been in touch. Yeah, course, isn't it? Uh, and, yeah, I just like it. It's nice and practical. Just works your way through. It teaches you to be um, more rational and just get all those irrational thoughts that can often that pops into all of our minds. But the, probably the thing that I like most about it is just that pre-planning. So having a race plan and just thinking about what's going to happen, what's happened in the past, where you've fallen down in the past. It's not about being negative. It's like recognizing where you've struggled in the past and it's possibly likely you might struggle again and just being cognizant of that and having a plan to actually deal with it if it comes up so what happens is you you buy the course 
and there's I think six six, six. six modules uh, and each module has a video that's kind of specific to a topic that they're covering and then they have PDF sheets that you can download and print off hmm. and the whole idea is that you sit down and you do the work around each module and again there's specific topics for each module hmm. uh, now the good thing is they've given us a discount code yep. so uh, the, we'll put a link to the website which is thinkbeliefperform.co.uk slash iron dash mind but if you put the discount code imtalk10 I mentioned you get 10% off. Yeah, 10% or 10 bucks, you get the discount regardless. So, yeah, so get uh, on it. Check it out. And, and let's be honest, this is an area, I remember when I did my study for, when I was trained to be a PT, and I remember, you know, they talked about performance and, you know, how much time you put into training, how much time you put into nutrition, and how much time do people actually put into mind strategies. And, and it's bugger all. We'll find out this week on our discussion of the week. Yeah, well, and that's, that's true. A bugger all. Be using good tools. Mm. And what's good about this course is it's some proven tools with people who have actually been there and done that. So check it out. I'll put a link to that on www.imtalk.me. John, before we do Winger of the Week, mm. last week we had a Winger of the Week who was going absolute crazy and his name was Vaughn Hunt. Vaughn, uh, what's his nickname? The Commando Hunt. <laughs> um, is he still in the cut draw? Vaughn, you're out. <laughs> so, sorry, 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 Vaughn. But Vaughn actually emailed us and he was saying he's doing Tour Aotearoa. Uh, he's, hey, Bevan and John, thanks for the shout out for Wing of the Week in the last couple of weeks. Yes, I am riding the Tour of Aotearoa. That's another name for New Zealand. From Kate uh, Rianga to Bluff. Fantastic event organised by the Kennant Brothers. Nearly a thousand riders from all over the world. I didn't, I didn't know it was that big. Hmm. Currently in Greymouth. He gave us this this morning, so he's currently in Greymouth. And he's got some few photos and a link to the website. So he's, he's still top of the leaderboard for this week. Did 50 hours uh, last week, and so far this week, he's he's top of the leaderboard again. So you're, you're going to be smoking it over the next few weeks. Bevan, you pick a number between 1 and 100. Sorry, did I, if I interrupted. No, no, no. no, no you no, got no, it all out. Okay. Hunt, between 1 and 100, Bevan. Why don't, actually, why don't we go number 77, because that's our lucky number today. Oh, okay, so they're very good. 77, Claire Slater. She did 13 hours, 24, two hours, 13 swimming, seven hours, four minutes riding, and four hours and six minutes of running. And Claire is from Perth, Western Australia. That'd be a a tough place to chain, wouldn't it? Um, It'd be hot. Yeah, I think so. I've never been there. I went to Perth. I've been a couple of times. I went there. When did I go there? I went there a couple of years ago. It'll be two years ago now. And it was like nighttime and it was hot, John. Yeah, like hot, hot. Not just like warm. Hot, hot. She did her third best estimated half marathon effort uh, two days ago with a one hour fifty four. Nice. Uh, and head to head, she's uh, averaging four rides a week, one hundred and sixty k. Oh, you're pretty close to me. I'm averaging one fifty. This is over the last four weeks. Uh, you're pretty much going head to head with me, Claire. It's a nice work. Everything's pretty similar in terms of biking, running. You're doing a little bit more than me. I'm not doing a lot of running, Why swimming. Not? You're one ahead, you're doing two, averaging two a week, I'm only averaging one a week. So Claire, nice work, you are our winner of the week. week. Uh, An honourable mention. Oh, we've got a honourable mention. Honourable mention for the longest session of the week, which didn't go to Vaughan, it went to Tim Pickett, who did 18 hours and 38 minutes for the longest activity. What was he doing? He was doing, and Tim was a support crew for us on Epic Camp France, when did we do that? 2016 I think it was yep. and yes yeah, so the session that he did was he ran a trans Grand Canaria so, so about 18 of, hours of running yeah so he did <gasps> one of these runs that went basically in one of the Canary Islands Grand Canaria he ran from one side to the other which is uh, he said he was 74th place third British runner and it was 130 kilometres 
But I imagine a fair whack of climbing. What do you feel after that? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, cause, like, you try to run a fast half marathon or a fast 10K or a fast marathon, you're pretty buggered. Mm. But when you go long, it's, it's, I can't, like, you're, still, you're obviously still pretty buggered. But I just wonder if it's a different kind of post-race feel. Yeah, probably more similar to an Ironman, you know, yeah. But yeah. still, it's a lot lower intensity than an What's Ironman. What's the worst you've been after a race? Our road was pretty bad when, when we wrote last time. <laughs> I lay on that bench for God, a couple of hours at least. I think I – did I get a drip? I can't remember. No, you didn't, but you were screwed. Yeah. No, I was, I was pretty – I, I was like your mother. I didn't look like to yeah. you know, take your shoes off and – Yeah. yeah that, was, you. that was pretty deep for me. What about, what about the next day? Like I remember the first time at Ironman New Zealand where just my legs were gone, Burgo. Like mm. we went to Tapapa, so we did the drive from Wellington to Tepapa. Oh, it's yeah. got to hurt. That was not good. And then – we, we, we no, so a I could hardly walk. Then we sat in the car for like how long's that drive? About four hours. Yeah, four four hours. And then my mum decided we to Papa. Mm. Oh my god, I couldn't do anything. No, no, I wasn't very good uh, the day after either. Yeah, there we go. So there we go. Uh, no questions this week. So Jonbo, let's do a couple of new patrons. Yes, we've got a couple of new patrons. Hold on, let's do another letter while, oh, okay. we, while we're another here. Letter. Another letter. Okay. Let's so, okay. Let's let's do another letter. We're both, we're both into it. So we've done, a, we've done a couple of vowels. Uh, so we've got an O and an E. And no, we didn't need an N. Okay. <laughs> an, o an, e. an O and E and an N. I'm out. Oh, you're out. There's no O in Bevan James O's. I'm still in. Oh. Yeah. John Newsom wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An O and E and N are still in there. Okay. So okay. O's a new letter, is it? That's what you've done here. Yep. Okay, there we go. New patrons. We've got Oh, I've, I love this nickname. Yeah, I've come up with I've got I've, I've done the work this week. I've done two nicknames. Okay, so the first patron nickname is a guy called Ryan uh, Barnett. Now, do we have any name info on him? No, I don't. Okay, Ryan Barnett, you're a rock star. But John's come up with a great nickname here, and there's a good story that goes along with this. So, in New Zealand, one of New Zealand's famous, most famous kind of host, you'd put him in, the radio host, TV host. The kind of guy that's probably going hosts like Dancing with the Stars yeah, or something like that. Yeah, we actually won Dancing with the Stars. Did he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but very famous, and there's a guy called Simon Barnett, and he's, he's, a, he's had a long career, very good at what he does, mm. and he, when we were younger... He hosted a show called Face to Music. Now, I imagine if you watched it right now, nowadays, it'd be pretty tragic because yeah. it was some, you know, think kind of cheap TV set. And they had a guy, Dwayne Franks. Yeah. <laughs> Dwayne Franks was a music guy. And he would host it. And Dwayne Franks would play music on his keyboard and you had to guess songs. Now, John, here's a funny story that goes with Face to Music. When I left, I, I failed school miserably. Like, I didn't mm. even get, I got nothing at fifth form. And that was because I was a thick shit. There's no denying it. <laughs> and, then, and then luckily I kind of educated myself later on in life. But I got the results from school, school cert, got nothing. Like I didn't pass anything. And my dad's comment to me, it was a lovely comment with my dad. He goes, don't worry, son. I think you're great at face to music. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, I was very good at face to music. I never got on the show. I would have gone on if I was older, but yes. Yeah, so. We do a bit of improvised face to music now, and we've kind of given up on it in the car because my daughter, on it's like pop great. culture, she'll get it within a second, really? every single song. And I'm like, how do you? Anyway, she must listen She's to a lot of music age. in bed. When you're, when you're that age, music's everything. Because how, how old's Felicity? She's 10. Well, she's out to be 11. And how old's Thomas? He's going to be 13 this year. He's 12. Oh, mate. Watch out. Oh, he's already, he's, already, <laughs> he's already a bit of a pain in the ass. <laughs> Has he started to get boy smell? Sorry? He's to get no, he's smell? not quite at that stage yet. I was speaking to a lady who's one of our runners every day. She's a school teacher, and she teaches boys around that age. And she said, 
I've, I've already had to do the talk this year. <laughs> <laughs> you stink, boys. Sort it out. Okay, so Ryan Barnett, you are Ryan Face the Music Barnett. Yes. And we've got another one, Aaron Nelson Chin. Now, he's still in, John. Yes, Ryan, it is. sorry. Ryan, you're out. Yeah. But, but Aaron, you could win this. You are. And he's from, well, tell me about him, John. He's, uh, he's a long-time cyclist. Actually, I'm going to change my font here mid-podcast mid, uh, oh, okay. because that's what helpful people do. <laughs> For the blind. As a long-time cyclist and long-time ago swimmer, and having completed a few multi-day endurance rides, I was searching for a way to make riding more challenging. I remember being fascinated by the Iron War episode on the wide world of sports as a kid and thought I would give triathlon a go. Before I knew it, uh, before I knew what it was, I embarked on the Newsome three-year plan to Ironman. I'd always been a solid middle-of-the-pack athlete, but when I what I lack in speed, I make up in tenacity. Yes. Late August, uh, last August, I completed Ironman Mont-Tremblant despite a serious attack of food poisoning on the course that had me throwing up four times and literally countless trips to the Portaloo. Uh, obviously not my dream day. I still completed the course and under the cutoff time, another Ironman branded race may maybe out of the range for what I can afford in both money and goodwill from my wife but as either a racer or a volunteer I'll always be a part of my local races in and around southern Ontario. This year's big hairy goal is to run my first ultra marathon which I'm organising with a few of my crazy training partners. Your show has provided a constant touch point with the triathlon world and I've valued it immensely throughout my journey. Looking forward to more episodes of Legends of Triathlon. Didn't have to look forward too long, did you? Yep, coming out today or tomorrow. And so Aaron uh, Nelson Chin, he sent through a picture, and you guys in Canada, man, I, I can't comprehend your winters. Uh, it's got a no. picture of him, and he's got a beard, and he's got kind of uh, icy, he's grizzly, icy, man. grizzly stuff going off there. And so I thought, so I just thought, Star Wars. And then I said to my son Thomas, I said, what's that planet in the oh. uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back? And he goes, Hoth. He, he, he's, oh, we, we love Star Wars. Oh, he? he's fanatical. But Even he, the new ones? Yep, yep. No, he is right into Star Wars. He would be Harry Potter and Star Wars. Even he, you'd, you'd want him on your quiz team. Really? Yep. He goes to bed every night listening to Harry Potter ebooks. Every night. Really? It's weird. There's like my, my niece. Joe's, well, she's my niece because I'm with Uncle Bev. Um... She's like that, and she's read the books, and you've got to think, you've read it more than 10 times. <laughs> so, Aaron, I was thinking of the planets Hoth and those big animals that run around. That, oh, that, uh, yes. That, uh, is it Hans, Luke Skywalker, uh, Han Solo whacks one of them open with his lightsaber and yep. he puts Luke inside it. That's and right. to warm them up. They're called, I didn't know what it was. Thomas didn't actually know what it was either. It's called a tauntaun. Okay, here we go. A tauntaun. Wait, so here we go. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, I thought they were going to have it said. I thought yeah. they were going to say it. No, it so doesn't. Tauntaun, Aaron, Tauntaun, Nilsson Chan. Tauntaun. Tauntaun, that's what you are. You're one of those big beasts that, that survives in the cold. We could have gone with Snow Beast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but Tauntaun it is. Tauntaun, we'll say Tauntaun the Snow Beast. Tauntaun the Snow Beast. There we go. We've, we've extended it. So if you want to become a patron, you've missed this year's draw, but you'll meet, meet, we're actually going to be changing things up a little bit maybe. We, we will. We'll discuss that once we've got it confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> we're kind of working it out. But um, if you want to become a patron, just first of all, thank you to all the patrons. Obviously only one person gets to win a trip to Kona, but thank you to everybody who's been a patron of the show. It really does support us in what we're doing, um, gets us to Kona, Somebody gets to win a trip, and just you know, if we're if we're a part of your triathlon week, um, it really helps us in what we do. So thank you to all the patrons. If you want to come, patron, go to www.imtalk.me 
and you get the show, you just go through the little Patreon link and it'll go through there. It's all pretty simple. John sponsors. We have Generation You Can. Sports Nutrition. It gives you long-lasting energy without the spike and crash of sugar. Remember the promo codes? Yeah. There's lots I'm of Talk. Yeah, I'm Talk. Is it I'm Talk? It Ten? is I'm Talk. It's just I'm Talk. Okay. Uh, if you want to get show emailed to you, go to our front page down the bottom, put it in. Uh, we've done the patron. Joe, if you want coaching, who's going to not leave you silent. Exactly. CoachJohnYuson.com. Uh, and then my podcast, I actually did one yesterday on being present when you're trying to grow. Uh, uh Other info, you can send us age groupers a week, call websites, other feedback to www. Oh, no, sorry. I'm talk podcast at gmail.com. Okay, what's the next next letter? Oh, we just got a name. No, we'll go one more. H. Oh, that really, I'm out. That really puts a spanner Damn on it, the words. I'm out. But that's in two names, it isn't it? It didn't matter that I had put my name that many times on the list. Yeah. I'm still out. You, you, there was, yeah, you put a thousand in, you got it mm. wrong. H. H. So we've got what have we got? Let's see. An O, an E, an, an E, an N, and an H. Only H. That's the name. <laughs> no. An O, an E, an N. Someone's thinking and an H. It's gotta be me. It's gotta be there's, me. There's, yeah. Do you want to do the Goss and then we'll name? The what? Yep, Goss, yep, sure. Yeah, thing. What's your Goss, John? Uh what's my Goss? Uh, I'm not happy about it raining outside today. What are you um, meant to be doing? I, was, I usually do a swim in the morning and uh, the stocks are dwindling because we had Ironman New Zealand so we had quite a few no, guys oh, racing for the weekend. <laughs> yes. The stocks are dwindling but I still had my girls there this morning to keep keep me honest. Who, who from, who from Christchurch did well? Uh, lots of people did well, Bevan. Because you can't name anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to name everybody once but lots of people did well. Uh, do we get any like, age group winners? See, so you put me on the spot now. I don't... Think so. I know Andrew Lawrence didn't get on the podium. Oh, good work, Andrew. Uh, Gail Harvey, she got her slot to, to the champs. Gail did, yep. Yep, that's about all I can think of. Kylie had a bad day, she told me. Mm-hmm. She was, she, the demons were out. Um, so, what was I saying? Goss, uh, as I said, Friday, did a race Friday night. Exceed my uh, uh, previous race, as we heard, I got beaten by one of the young fellas, which I was none too, wasn't too thrilled about, but yep. I raced pretty hard. I was and probably did better than I perhaps should have done given the amount of training so I was pretty fired up I put in two weeks of really good training and uh, got pretty fired up for the race rocked up none of the academy kids are there they're all bloody watching the athletics champs watching Hayden Wild oh, win the 5,000 champs good stuff ah, this is going to be a bit of a TT and it did turn out to be that but I was really pleased to push myself bloody hard 17 watts higher two weeks later from the previous race, which really? I thought was a really good improvement. Road really strong, and and it would have been a bit higher had there not been too much traffic on the road, but that was uh, it's all part of it. And then ran my fastest time that I've had out on that course, by two only by two seconds. What's the, what's the, what's the course? It's 4Ks, but it's all off-road crappy stuff, so it's yep. um, it's not particularly fast. So what are you fast. averaging? Uh, three forty per k, okay. which is doesn't sound fast. No, but on that course, yeah. on that course. But then somebody else bloody took my. Uh, I, I used to have the fastest run split on Strava out there. And this other fella turned up and he smoked it. I think he's, he was an ex runner and uh, uh, beat me by about thirty seconds. And I thought I ran okay, but very windy. And it's always good to go out and do uh, a windy sort of training race. People don't go training in the wind enough. And if it gets windy in racing, it's quite a big skill to be able to hold on to your bike and uh, keep it fairly straight. So that was really good. That was the uh, big part of my weekend. Watched uh, Jojo Rabbit on Saturday night. Did you that like was, it? It was good. Yep. Yep. Enjoyed that. Pretty funny at times. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. And that was about it. Did I tell you to watch Ford vs Ferrari? No. Last week? I watched a Formula One thing on Netflix, which I thought was... Cena. Uh, no, Senna? I watched Senna, but there was a, this is like a Formula One Netflix series and watched oh. the first episode when I was on the trainer. Um, it's just stupid how much money is involved in that sport. Oh. 
just just stupid. car racing. I had a mate when I was younger. He was into car racing, you know, local stuff. And he was, you know, he was never going to go anywhere with it. Cost him like twenty k a year. With one of the teams, it was a small team. They had two hundred and twelve employees, and it was one of the smaller teams. Well, didn't John? Um, John Ellis. John Ellis. He worked for one of the teams, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. Bevan, what's happening with you? You about other than watching? Oh, but I had a question for you. What was the book that defined your youth? You know, because Thomas is Harry Potter. Jeez, uh, I don't know. I used to enjoy Under the Mountain by Morris Shea. I wouldn't say it defined my uh, my youth. Probably Famous Five. They were pretty good in the day. So I didn't read. I didn't really have a uh, didn't have a book that defined me. Did you read as a kid? Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> yeah, but I, I was uh, I had to work pretty hard at old school. I was. Uh, yeah, no, I was a bit like that. Well, yeah. I failed as you heard earlier, but I was great at face the music. <laughs> yeah, I can't. No, no books defined me though. But it's interesting because my 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 first. Because I didn't really read a book. This is serious. This is kind of sad, really. I didn't read a book because I couldn't read until I was like 20. Mm. And so then I I read a couple books. And then I started getting into self-help. So I got then I really got into books. And then I thought, I need to start reading novels. So my first book I ever read that was a novel was Lord of the Rings. Oh, jeez. I, I haven't read that. Oh, it's a great read. Yeah. You should get Thomas to read that. Mm. You really should. Like, I'm, mm. Has he seen the films? No. Oh, Lord of the Rings is a great book. Mm. And Sam was just my favourite character because Frodo has the burden of carrying the ring and you can't, you can't, you can't undermine that. But he wouldn't have done it without Sam mm. and just the loyal partner, you know, and, and it, I just love, oh, <laughs> Sam Wise. Oh, John, I get emotional thinking about it. Gosh, gosh. I need to read that book again. <laughs> Maybe I will. Oh, John, don't get me started on Lord of the Rings. I'm not like a real geek on it. Like, I couldn't name anything about it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, pretty cool stuff. Other than that, John, the Malorns. Nice. You know you know when you're proud of your lawns. Yeah, I've got some. My lawns are okay at the moment. I, I, I did lawns, and then I got some special lawn spray to get rid of the weeds, mm. but a fertilizer afterwards. Nice. Yeah. Looking good. Yeah. Yeah, it's that time of the year the lawns are just going to start coming back. But this rainy day we've got today, they're going to start it. coming back. I need it because it's been so dry. Mm. I have to say, I am thinking about finding a running race to do. What do you reckon? Mm, yeah. What good races are out there? Uh, there's a Sea to Sky Challenge on this 29th it's of bit, March. There's only about soon. 20 slots left in the the running race. Oh, good stuff! How many have you got all together? Uh, well, in the running race, I'm, I'm going to limit it to about 110. Oh, um, so that's looking really good. But overall, when is that? The 20th, 8th? 20, 29th of is it March. A Sunday? Yes. Maybe I will. Maybe you will. Could be a title on the line. Oh, no, there's no way I'll win it. There won't no- be, I don't think there'll be many strong runners. I think you stand a good chance. No, like John, I haven't ran. How many days have I got? You've got... 20 days. 19 days. 19 days. Yeah, they, they probably won't happen. Probably won't happen. Okay, John. Uh, okay, are we just going to name, name it? Yep, uh, so you've got a, an E, an, an H, O, an, an o, H, an N. Let's throw one in there, a G. Jesus, this is an out of a name. Yeah. So first... Uh, first the surname begins with an H, ends with an S. First name begins with an O, ends so like with an N. Owen? Yes. Hughes. Owen oh, Hughes. Hughes. Nobody, don't, nobody tell him about this. If you know Owen, he's from Australia, don't tell him about it. Uh, we're, we're not even going to tell you Owen. Yeah. <laughs> and so we'll just give it a bit of time to make sure he actually listens to it so he hears it on here first. So don't go putting it on Facebook. What's um, his nickname? The Owen winner. Hughes. Oh, you're gonna to have to. Okay, Owen here is the winner. Yeah. Um, what else is happening, John? I gotta say, coronavirus. I've, I haven't got it yet. I've been washing my hands a lot. You washing your hands lots? Yep. Good. Yeah. Good. Make sure you wash your hands, team. That's all you gotta do. Just wash your hands. That's what I'm telling you. Don't breathe on people. Wash your hands. Here we go. Here we go. Hold on. Owen Hughes. Oh, he's not on my alphabetical list. There. Hold uh, on. Give me another second here. Just do a search. You can go find. 
Oh, yeah, actually, uh, the Sledge Master. Oh, love it. <laughs> Owen oh, Hughes, yeah. the Sledge Master from Australia. Yeah. Do we know where in Australia? No. Go on, Hughes, you rock. You're coming to Kona with the boys. That's right. Rock on. Listen, remember to listen to Iron, uh, Legends of Triathlon. Iron Russ. I'm in Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.